0: This is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. Hi, I'm Steve, I'm the Director of Youth and Adult Ministries here at Cedar Hills, and thank you for choosing to worship with us today, and thank you for choosing to worship with us online. I'm going to start today with an analogy, and yes, this is a can of Chef Boyardee. Uh, Yep, that's, that's always a good place to start a spiritual conversation, I say. Uh, but I want to start with. Well, first I got to open my can for a minute, okay? So let me uh, let me get started here. Wait, that's that's not working. Hmm, maybe it, maybe if I, I try it over here, it'll work better over here. I'm sure it will. Let's just let's just try this again. It's still not working. What's wrong? It's not plugged in. Oh man. If only it was plugged in, then I'd have the power to open my can of Chef Boy RD and enjoy it today. Well, that's really the point: is that there's power in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about being plugged into that power today, just as Jesus was. We're doing a whole series on walking like Jesus, and today we're going to talk about Jesus and the Holy. Spirit because if you're like me last week you understood what Kent was saying. He said okay on this hand God is fully man and on this hand God is Jesus is fully God Jesus is fully man and Jesus is fully God. I can understand the theology there, right? I can read the text and it makes sense to me, but then I start reading the stories of Jesus And I say if Jesus is fully man, how do he heal all those people? If Jesus is fully man, how would he cast out those demons? If Jesus is fully man, how would he raise Lazarus from the dead? Without using his godness and and ruining the whole thing that he's fully God, but he's, he's choosing to be fully man in his expression right now. And I think the answer clearly from scripture is the Holy Spirit that Jesus like us as a human he lived through the power of the holy spirit following the leading of the holy spirit to accomplish the will of god which was revealed to him through the holy spirit and just like god the holy spirit was on Christ Jesus, we're going to see from Scripture that that same Holy Spirit is alive and living in His people, you and me, those who have believed in Christ today, and that's the power and the authority that we have. So that's what we're going to be studying and and reaffirming from Scripture today. We're going to be jumping around quite a bit. We're going to be in Acts and Luke primarily. Um, So your first text you can start turning to, and it'll be on the screens, it's going to be Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. And then we're going into Luke chapter 4, 1 and 2, and then Luke 4, 14 through 21. So we'll just start in Luke chapter 3. As you get ready to read, I always want to have a a goal. As you're reading this, I want you to be thinking about how is the Holy Spirit described in Luke chapter 3 and 4, especially in relation to Jesus. Okay, So be paying specific attention to that as we read. And I also want to offer this blessing to you as we read. May the Lord be with you. Luke three twenty one and 22. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And if we jump forward in the story in Luke 4, 1 and 2, after this, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry (laughs) That was his humanity there, in case you didn't catch it. He was hungry. Luke four fourteen through 21. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out throughout the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read, verse 17, and the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled the scroll and he found a place where it is written, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives And recovering of the sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of the whole synagogue were on him, and he began to teach them. This is 21. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. May God bless the reading of his word in many ways, I think of this passage in Luke 3 and 4 as like an inauguration of Jesus Christ into his ministry. If you look at it before this, he's, he has his birth and he has his childhood experiences and he's growing up. And then this, this happens. The Spirit comes upon him like a dove. And God the Father in that voice declares from heaven, You are my Son in whom I am well pleased then he's tested and he comes back. And if you were to read the rest of chapter 4, we just don't have time, you would see he does his first miracles. He, he heals an demoniac and he, he does some other physical healings. And we see like this played, the role that, that is, is kind of shown here is this is the Spirit coming on Jesus and it's giving him the power and the authority that he will now use throughout the rest of his ministry, ministry to do miracles, signs and wonders and to proclaim the truth of the Christ, the Messiah, who he was. So as we see this, um, in, this in this passage though there are five specific ways the Spirit is described to interact with Jesus. And I think they're also all true about how the Spirit interacts with us. So let's get into those. The first one is this. It says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. This is from Luke 4.1. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And so are we. If... We think that in the beginning of Luke, Luke chapter 3 and 4, we see this inauguration of Jesus into his ministry. We see a similar event in the beginning of the book of Acts. If you Acts and Luke were written kind of together as one history. First, the history of Jesus' life, death and resurrection, and then the history of the early church. That's the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And they're written by the same author. They're kind of meant to be be together. If we look in the book of Acts chapter 2... Verse 4, we see this. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. And they were filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I think... It's intentional. The author here is using the same image, like the dove on Jesus, or maybe God is just, just inspiring it with the, the tongues. He's, he's showing us the same kind of image, the Spirit visibly coming on. Instead of Jesus this time, it's now the apostles, his followers, and it comes with authority, as we see here, that they speak in tongues. And if you were to read the rest of chapter two, you would see that Peter goes on to preach the gospel of who Jesus Christ is and was. His death and His resurrection. And then 3,000 people respond in faith. We, 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 we see here that Jesus was full of the Spirit and His people. are. If you read the book of Acts, it will be repeated over and over and over again. So and so was filled with the Spirit. I had one other passage. It's, it's Acts 4.8. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders this in the context of this story it's it's you can see it's acts four so in acts three peter and john go to the temple and they heal a man and then they're called on trial because they say they healed him in the name of jesus and the authorities don't like that very much they just had jesus killed and now he's saying that we're, we're healing people in the name of Jesus. And I, I put this in there because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. It also says that they recognized that Peter and John had authority, that they were untrained people, but they spoke with wisdom and authority because they had been with Jesus, and they had the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit on them. They were filled with the Spirit. And so are we. Amen. The second way the Spirit moves on people, that as we see in Luke chapter four verse one, is this: Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, and so are we. In Luke four one, it says, "After he was full of the Spirit, it says he returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness." I don't know exactly how that went, but he felt an urge. He felt, he felt the direction of the Holy Spirit that he should go into the wilderness. And obviously that was a time of temptation and then fasting for him. And then he came back and he, had the, he, had, he, was, he did the, the miracles. So he felt led by the Holy Spirit. And I think if you look at Acts, other people are led by the Holy Spirit. One example would be from Acts 20, 22 through 24. Paul says this. And now I am bound by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits for me except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. He was told other prophets would come to him and say, you know, we're bound like this. This is how you're going to be bound when you get to Jerusalem. But even though he knew that he would be bound, he would be a prisoner for Christ, he knew that the Spirit was compelling him. He was bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. That's how firm his directing was. He was led so firmly he felt he was bound to go. And in Galatians, it is extended to us in this beautiful way. Galatians 5.25. This is right with the, 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 the verses that tell us what the fruit of the Spirit is. It says this. Since we, those who have believed in Jesus, since we are living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's our call, too, to be led by the Spirit. Jesus was full of the Spirit, and so are we. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, and so are we. The third point, oh, before I move on, I just want to talk about leading by the Spirit. I'll give you an example. Um, a good friend of mine who ha- happens to be a pastor one day, he was driving and he, he went, was going past um, the house, the farm of, of somebody who attends their church, and as he was was driving past the farm, he really felt led by the Spirit to, to stop and go and talk to the man. He didn't know why, but he just felt, felt firmly that that's what he needed to do. So he pulled in and he parked, and he went up to the door and he knocked, and and nobody answered, um, so then he, he went out to, to, to look. He saw the car was there. The man was, was obviously around somewhere, and he knew him, so he went over to the barn to say hi, and, and when he went into the barn, uh, he found the man was, was standing there, and he had a gun, and he was considering killing himself because he didn't have any hope, and he just felt in such despair. And God not only led him to that place, but the Spirit also gave him the right words to speak to help that man put the gun away. Um, And another, so this is just a little bit of what the leading. Of the Spirit looks like. It might not even be an audible voice. It might just be that, that nudging, but as you get to know the Spirit, as you let, are led continually, you get to understand. You get a good feeling for when He is encouraging you and telling you to do something. Another pastor friend of mine, he talked about gifts of the Spirit this way. Um, he was at a church that that had Speaking in tongues in the service. And then somebody would offer an interpretation that the Spirit was telling them. And uh, he said, at first it was not he didn't understand it. And then he was curious. He wanted to, to be a part of this. So one day when someone was speaking in tongues, he felt like he had something to say. But he was just not confident in it. And somebody else in the service started with the exact words that God had given him to speak. And he was pretty sure that, then, that that was the voice of the Spirit giving him words to speak in that service an interpretation of the gift of spirits, of speaking in tongues, sorry. And uh, so the next time when somebody spoke in tongues, if he felt urged to speak, he started to do that. And he grew in an, in an understanding of that gift because he started to understand how he could hear the voice and know the voice of the Spirit and not just any, any feelings that he had. So I think part of being led by the Spirit is knowing the voice. Just like if you, if you have a, a husband or a wife, you understand, you know their voice. Maybe you've been to a, a, a crowded pool with your kids, and you can hear, even through the crowd, you can hear your kids yelling because you know their voice. I think the same is true when we get to know the Spirit. We can be led by the Spirit because we practice walking by the Spirit. The third thing that the Spirit does in, in uh, with, interacts with Jesus in this way in Luke chapter 4 is this. It says, Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and so are we. In, in uh, verse 14, just to recap, it says this And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit from Galilee. That's the power he had. And Peter, if I talked about it already, but I've got it in here in your notes so you can read it with me quick. In Acts 3, Peter practiced the power of the Spirit. It says, verse 6, And Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And he immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Because Peter was filled with the Spirit, he was also empowered with the Spirit, as the Spirit led him to offer healing in the temple to this man in the name of Jesus Christ. So I believe that's true of us, as we are filled with the Spirit, we have the same power that Jesus Christ had. In Galatians 5, 22, and 23, though, I want to recognize that there's more to it. That we often, I think, get this this really high view, put on a pedestal, gifts of the Spirit, like tongues or prophecy or healing, and we don't really appreciate. Listen to these good gifts of the Spirit that that are for all of us. The The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control i think one of the be- greatest things the spirit does is he works inside of us to make us more like christ to give us more love for our neighbors for our coworkers for our friends for our enemies gives us more peace than we can even understand he gives us self-control when we feel out of control This is a wonderful work of the Spirit. We must not raise some gifts to this level and not appreciate others. The fourth thing the Spirit uh, did in in Luke is this. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, and so are we. It says in Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And in Acts 10, 38, when Peter is in the house of Cornelius preaching the gospel, he says this about Jesus. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went on doing good works and healing all the oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And he goes on to talk then how Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins and rose again on the third day. So we have victory over sin and his sacrifice and victory over death in his resurrection. And at the end of that, this is what happens. It's, it's Acts 10, 44, and 45. Peter gets done sharing the gospel and immediately It says in verse 44, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell. I think that's like an anointing. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers among the circumcised, that's the Jewish believers, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. They would have thought that the Gentiles were people unworthy of God's gifts, especially something as intimate as his spirit. But God anointed, God poured out this blessing on Jewish believers and non-Jewish, Gentile believers. He poured out, he anointed us with the Holy Spirit. In fact, this whole story was Peter being led by the Holy Spirit. If you read earlier, he has a vision that opens him up to the even going into Cornelius' house because he shouldn't have done that as a Jew because, he, because Cornelius wasn't a Jew and he was unclean. So usually he wouldn't even gone to this man's house, but he was led by the Spirit to go there. He was empowered by the Spirit to preach the gospel. And then the Spirit fell on those people as they were saved, as they believed in Jesus Christ. The the fifth thing that the Spirit did in Luke 4 with Jesus and also with us is this. Jesus was sent by the Holy Spirit, and so are we. Jesus was sent by the Holy Spirit, and so are we. In verse 18, after talking about him being anointed, it says this. He has sent me. God has sent Jesus. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of God wasn't on Jesus for no purpose, but for a specific purpose, that Jesus would fulfill his messianic calling, that he would proclaim all these things, not just physically proclaim liberty and freedom, but over spiritual oppression, over the oppression in our lives of the sin that we couldn't pay for. And Jesus was sent by the Spirit, and so are we. If you go to Acts, remember Acts and Luke are, are together, so these things, these things are united. It's one story. When Jesus is going up into heaven, after he's been with his people, after he rose again, he's about to ascend to heaven. He gives them a ascending. Um, and this is, this is from Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Matthew it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But, the great commission in Luke isn't there, and in Acts, this is what we see. It's a commissioning in the Holy Spirit. It's saying, you are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of bringing Jesus Christ to your schools, your workplaces, your neighborhoods, your families, and the ends of the earth. The Spirit isn't for just our own edification or our own Enjoyment. The Spirit didn't come for our entertainment. The Spirit didn't come for simply for our pleasure or for our vanity, but we are filled, empowered, led, anointed, and sent by the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses for Jesus Christ. That is what the goal of having the Holy Spirit is all about. So any power we have is to that end. So, now we're going to talk practically for just a few minutes. And, and this is probably where if any, you're going to disagree with anything, this is probably it because the Holy Spirit is a big thing and there's lots of controversy around it. But I'm going to say some things here. First, I want to say the Holy Spirit is a person, not a mystic force. One of the things we must understand is that the Holy Spirit is a person, even maybe we shouldn't say the Holy Spirit, we should just say Holy Spirit Holy Spirit is a person, not a mystic force. So, What that means to me is that the power of the Spirit isn't something I wield in my own power, but it's something I work out synergistically with God. I work it out in relationship, me and the Holy Spirit, me following the lead of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what He wants in my life gives me power to do things, not to my own end. If I'm praying, Lord, please give me that Ferrari I've always wanted, Well, that might be something that my heart wants. That's probably something that the Spirit's not going to work toward because it's a selfish desire. This is why I'm saying it's synergistic. It's not like we have authority over the Holy Spirit to use how we wish for our own glory. He works for the glory of God the Father in us and through us. And part of this, I think, means that it's very unique how the Holy Spirit expresses Himself in times and in ways. I have a, I had some really good friends and mentors in the faith that I would say were were chair for Christians. They they had a t- place in making me in discipling me, um, and. Growing up, I was in a church that was a cessationist church. It's a big word that means they believed that the power of the Holy Spirit, those gifts I was talking about, tongues and prophecy and healing, ended when the Bible was complete. Because we had the complete word of God, we didn't need those things anymore. And I would say I probably don't agree with that anymore, but there's a couple of men in my life who have really mentored me who I believe have the Spirit of God. I have seen the fruit of the Spirit at work in their lives. And they would just disagree a little bit about the expression of the works of the Spirit. And I would say, to that end, we, we can clearly understand that, that some of these gifts are not necessary for salvation, right? You can be saved and not speak in tongues. You can be saved and not have the power to do, to do miraculous healings. You can be saved and um, not have the power of interpretation over tongues or one of those gifts, Those don't seem to be promised, but you will have the fruit of the Spirit. And I have other men in my life like Greg who had a prayer language where he would speak in tongues quietly to himself. Maybe when we were worshiping or maybe in his home or maybe as he drove into work, And it was something that that wasn't words, but it meant a lot because it was from the Spirit, it was to God. It was like God interceding through the Spirit, through Him, back to God. And I don't know much about that. I've never done that, but but there was something meaningful and spiritual that was happening there, and it seems to be an expression of speaking in tongues that I think is is something that, that, that might be a part of your experience that God uses for His good and glory. Now, because of this, I want, there's one, another thing, from my experience, I had a friend named Lance in college, and, and he went to a, to a, a spirit conference, and, and they got everybody who didn't speak in tongues in the middle, and they laid hands on him, and they prayed over them that they would speak in tongues. And they said, if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, or you haven't been anointed with the Holy Spirit the language gets a little questionable there and it gets to be a little semantical with, with how you talk about those things. But he came home from that, not speaking in tongues, feeling very guilty, feeling very shameful. And I don't think that was probably the purpose of the people who did this, but I think that's something we must guard against with the Holy Spirit. If we're comparing our gifts to other people and we are feeling shame, that's probably not from God because God is not a God who works through shame. This is one of my examples, though, that would be against the speaking of, of saying that you need, be, um, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit separate from your, 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 your salvation. And this would be the passage. It's Ephesians 4, 4, and 4 through 6. This, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is in all and through all and over all and in all and through all. So I would suggest that if you're talking about be having a baptism in the holy spirit separate from your your salvation that i wouldn't use that language i would say it's good to lay hands on people when paul went on his ministry they laid hands on him and the people going with him barnabas i think at first and silas and they'd send them out and they'd pray that god's spirit would be with them i believe on on that type of thing but but i don't necessarily think that scripture supports this baptism in the holy spirit so when do we receive the holy spirit i would say at salvation we receive the holy spirit we may not practice all of our gifts initially but we have all of the Holy Spirit in us we are filled with the Holy Spirit and I don't have time to get into all the scripture with that because that could be a whole sermon three <laughs> why don't I seem to have the power of the Holy Spirit in me I would say since it's synergistic that w- there's a couple things at play here one would be one would be this maybe you don't put yourself in the situation where you need the Holy Spirit very often. I find when I feel the most spirit is when I'm doing something I'm uncomfortable with. When I'm called to come up here and preach and I know I can't do that in my own strength, I feel the spirit working. If you're a Sunday school class teacher, maybe you felt the spirit working when you're teaching a class because you've prepared the word and you know only God's spirit can bring the word to people. Maybe you felt it when you've been evangelizing because you're uncomfortable in that situation telling something about someone about Jesus because you know it might offend them. I think all these situations missionaries who go into to places where there's witch doctors i think they might experience a different level of the spirit because they are in then they're in a place where they need that you and i we can often isolate ourselves insulate ourselves from even almost feeling we need the power of god and the other thing i would say about this would be it's a tricky though because i believe god has all the authority and power to heal people but then what happens when my dad gets sick And I pray for him and my friends pray for him and my family prays for him and my dad still passes away. What do we do in situations like that? Here is what I would say. I'm not going to question the power and authority of God to heal. That's off the table. So then we go to, do we doubt our faith? Is it my problem? I didn't believe enough. My dad didn't believe enough to be saved from his sickness. I would say that as we look at, there are times that might be the case, but as we look at the whole part of the Bible, we see that sometimes God works through suffering and God works through death. Just look at the example of Jesus Christ. He came, became human to suffer and to die. And maybe my father's healing wasn't in this world Maybe the healing my father had was to be able to leave this broken world with this broken body and be up with his heavenly father, with his brother Jesus Christ, and be out of the trials of this world. And while that's a hard thing, I think sometimes it's not God's will. Even though I might think he should have healed my father in one way, It was maybe his will to heal him in another way. So we always, because the Holy Spirit is a person, not a mystical force that we can use for our own ends, we have to trust that he is good and he knows what is good and works out all things in his timing. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up with a little bit of prayer. And uh, I'm going to start my prayer with reading a little bit of Romans chapter 8 from the message. And I just like to start prayer with with scripture because I think it helps me get closer to God. So let's pray. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what you're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you experience all the limitations of sin, you experience life on God's terms when God lives and breathes in you as he surely does as he surely did in Jesus you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you your body will be alive in Christ God we thank you for this hope that we have this hope that we have in scripture that we don't live as feeble people who live in in shame But we live just as Jesus, your Son, who took on all of humanity and lived through the power of the Spirit, that that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. As a group, as a body, your Spirit expresses all these gifts in your timing and in your will and for your glory. We thank you that you heal. And many of us have testimonies of times we or our loved ones have been healed. And we surrender our doubt to you, God, when we don't understand when your answer is no or your answer is later, not now. God, we don't understand, but we trust that you are good and you are all-powerful and your spirit works. Father, I pray that this, that this week we would all be drawn nearer to you, that we would all be led more by your spirit to accomplish your will, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.